Welcome to the Red Rain Podcast. Here is your host from Revenge of the Birds, Walter Mitchell. Thank you, Kyle Little Rock Ledbetter. Much appreciated. Cardinal fans, uh, we are being treated to a clinic in how to find young, innovative, creative, dynamic assistant coaches. In addition to, you know, hiring a, you know, alpha head coach candidate and Jonathan Gannon. Yes, the staff is young, but boy, oh boy, um, let's have them all grow up together. I'm at the point now where I don't even want to see them hire mentors. Uh, I, there's enough, you know, uh, Mensa power here. And I, I don't use the word Mensa loose, loosely. I mean, these are some brilliant young minds. And um, sometimes when you hire, you know, uh, veteran coaches who come in as advisors, it's more trouble than it's worth because for one is you have to pander to them. Um, you know, older guys have egos um, and they want to be heard and they want, you know, action on what they're heard often. And, um, you know, uh, it just can create some, some awkward scenarios. For example, I mean, I've heard Pat Schumer being mentioned as an offensive mentor. All right. So, you know, with think of it this way: so you have you hired a young offensive coordinator, right? In Drew Petzing, who's it's very exciting what what he's going to bring to the table here, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But imagine if you're a player, and you know who are you going to listen to, Pat Shermer or first year OC Drew Petzing? You know. Let's say you bring in Mike Zimmer, you know, and you have a 29-year-old defensive coordinator who Gannon has said was going to call the defensive plays, which I think is awesome. And Nick Rallis, um, again, is a, is a budding, um, you know, maven as a defensive coach in the NFL at his, his young age. Um, with Gannon in tow, and then you got Patrick. Tony, I'll talk about him in a minute. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, so, you know, but if Mike Zimmer's standing there, you know, helping out with the defense, who are the players going to listen to? Um, you know, I mean, Mike Zimmer's been around a long, long time. Now it's not to say that, you know, Zimmer wouldn't have something to add or Shermer wouldn't have something to add. Of course they would. But at the same time, I mean, I mean, Jonathan Gannon cut his teeth as a defensive coach under Mike Zimmer. He's he knows the Mike Zimmer system, um, and he's taken the the best of what that system is and has incorporated that into his own system. You know, um, and uh, you know, I, I just I'd love to see them just at least for a year. Stick with the young coaches, these young mavericks they're they're hiring, and uh, see what that chemistry is, and don't interrupt it with uh, TMI too too much info from other you know senior coaches 
you know, there's the old adage too, too many chefs, which is one of the things that I think um, deterred Cliff Kingsbury a little bit in Arizona with so many people having their input on the offense. Um, you know, for example, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. I think, you know, one of the hires that Steve Kime made right away before Cliff even got started in training camp was to bring in wide receiver guru Jerry Sullivan, who, you know, if you ask Larry Fitzgerald when Sullivan was here back when, when, uh, when he was, when Larry was younger in his career and Sullivan was the wide receiver coach, uh, Sullivan came in and, you know, basically started to refine aspects of Fitz's game um, that at first were hard for Fitz to, you know, adjust to. But in retrospect, you know, a couple of years down the line, Fitz saw how it helped. But in coming into the situation with Cliff Kingsbury, a brand new head coach coming from college, and Sullivan had just come back from college having coached the LSU wide receivers. What a trio there of, of um, you know, they had uh, Jamar Chase. They had uh, um, Jefferson. Oh, my God. And they had Marshall, Terrace Marshall. So Justin Jefferson and Terrace Marshall. So Sullivan comes in, and here are the three rookie Cardinal wide receivers, Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, who congratulations, scored a key touchdown in the XFL this past weekend, and um, Keyshawn Johnson. And, you know, I mean, in comparison from where he was coming from, go from, you know, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, to Isabella uh, Butler and Johnson, you know, (laughs) those guys (laughs) – First of all, even if they were veterans, I mean, you know, Jerry Sullivan is such a meticulous and and bright coach. I mean, there's no doubt he's got knowledge, you know, beyond, you know, any, um, <clears throat> you know, peer practically at wide receiver play. But, you know, coming in and coaching at his level with younger wide receivers and with the wide receivers that they had in place. I mean, Fitz was by then well-tutored by Sullivan, so that wasn't going to bother him. Um, but, you know, I mean, we struggled at wide receiver that first year, and, and the rookies all really struggled and, and, and never got on, on track. And, you know, and I just think also um, sometimes when you have older veteran coaches influencing things like that, you know, it can – in the short term sort of set you back a little bit. <clears throat> and so that's the point I'd like to make is that I think there's enough knowledge and breadth of knowledge on, on the staff already where it'd be interesting to see if they come in and, and aren't influenced, you know, aren't given outside influences to change what they want to do. I want to see what they want to do. <clears throat> we never got to see what Cliff really wanted to do. Um, it was a conglomeration, a melting pot, if you will, of a playbook with all sorts of influences and Cliff trying to keep everyone happy. And um, I just assume, you know, this staff get a fresh start with their own fresh ideas. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of mentors in people's lives, too, that you can call on the phone. So 
if you have questions. Um, but that's a point I wanted to make about, I don't really think they need to bring in a Zimmer and a, and a uh, you know, or a Shermer. You know, the other thing is, is that, that uh, <clears throat> um, if, if you bring in guys like that, um, you know, you, you basically are conceding that, you know, you, you need the mentoring. And I'm not sure, even though these guys are young, I'm not sure they actually need the mentoring because they have strength in each other. And so what I would say is give these guys a year. And if it becomes apparent that a mentor would be necessary for 2024, then you can make that move. But give them their own chance first and give them a clean slate and don't put them in a situation where they have to look over their shoulder or be heavily influenced by a mentor um, of sorts, you know? Um, so that, that was one thing that's, that came to mind. And what, what's just so striking about this staff is that you can see how carefully these, you know, um, assistant coaches have been, been, um, you know, uh, determined and, and put together. I mean, you know, we saw the, the interview with Nick Rouse yesterday, how comfortable he is already um, in a position where he believes he's going to be able to take the Cardinals defense to the next level. Um, and, um, you know, he's in lockstep with the head coach um, in Gannon and it speaks volumes to Gannon's uh, confidence and Rouse to make him the uh, play caller already. I mean, he's the coordinator and the play caller. And now it's obvious that Gannon has taken on the Nick Sirianni CEO role that he was very impressed with, um, you know, in Philadelphia, which I think is really exciting. But then you go ahead and hire, um, you know, the 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 Tony hire the Patrick Tony hire is fascinating. I mean, coming from Florida as the defensive coordinator, you know, I don't know if you picked up on this, but one of the great wins of Patrick Tony's college career was when he was the DC for the Raging Cajuns in Louisiana, and they pulled off a stunning upset of Iowa State. And guess who their quarter Iowa State's quarterback was? Brock Purdy. I mean, whoa. I mean, that connection itself is like, oh my gosh, fantastic. You know, and, um, and I read an article where Tony uh, explained what their strategy was in trying to stifle the different looks they were giving um, Purdy. And, you know, it was a really stunning upset by the Raging Cajuns. And, you know, and now we got a guy on staff who's already had experience trying to defend Brock Purdy and a Brock Purdy offense. I think that's pretty dang good right there. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, so, and then there are other, I like the Ryan Smith from Northwestern as cornerbacks coach. That was a really nifty pickup. Um, and then the, the Cardinals just hired right off the press right now, assistant linebackers coach Sam um, Seifkis, uh from uh, Minnesota. Kyle, you have some background info on him? 
I do have some background info on Sam Seifkis. So the last two years, he was working as an assistant linebackers coach with the Vikings. Uh, according to the website, the, the Vikings said he helped oversee a linebackers unit led by Eric Kendricks, who finished the season with 143 tackles, five sacks and two interceptions. Seifkis assisted with linebacker Nick Vigil's role in 2021, overseeing his 12 starts in which he tallied 85 tackles and a pick six. And then uh, before he was with the Vikings, he was uh, his first job, I believe, to be at the University of Wisconsin. And then he was the defensive coordinator at Wofford University for a couple of years. There you go. I mean, here's another thoughtful addition. I mean, obviously, Gannon has his Viking connections and, um, and you know, uh, so Sam Seifkis is going to be the linebacker coach. Um, I guess if Vance Joseph gets the Eagles job that Billy Davis will come with him as, as linebacker coach. Of course, Billy Davis has been the linebacker coach in Philly before. Hi, everybody. This is Kyle Little Rock Ledbetter making a real quick clarification. You heard us talking about Vance Joseph and Billy Davis and the Philadelphia Eagles. So Vance Joseph interviewed for the Eagles defensive coordinator job on Wednesday and then Thursday morning, after we finished recording, but before we published the podcast, we learned Vance Joseph is taking the defensive coordinator job for the Denver Broncos. Doesn't mean Billy Davis will or won't come along with him. We just learned after recording that Vance is going back to Denver with Sean Payton's coaching staff. So wanted to slide that in real quick as a note for all of you listening at home. Now let's return back to the Red Rain podcast with your host, Walter Mitchell. Gannon has said there was a couple guys from the a previous staff that he thinks he's going to retain. I'm kind of thinking that Spencer Whipple will be one of them. I hope so, because I really like Whip. I, know, I think he'd be another bright young mind on that. Uh, he fits in really well. Um, so, uh, but, you know, these hires are, are really, really fascinating and the, the obviously fit a pattern of trying to find young, bright, energetic, highly, uh, motivational coaches. I think just really excited about it. I mean, the thoughtfulness that's going in and the, and the buy-in, the loyalties that I think that the Cardinals are going to be able to create to the head coach, which they did not have, obviously, with uh, with Cliff, um, f- for, you know, I think pretty obvious reasons. Uh, you know, when you're hired in, you have all your coaches hired for you, assistant coaches, there are bound to be some good fits, maybe some not-so-good fits, maybe some jealousies. And that's what can sort of tear apart a staff. And of course, if the, you know, in school, if the faculties, if there's acrimony in the faculty, it trickles down to the kids, the students, and, um, you know, same thing on a football team. If there's acrimony in a coaching staff, it's going to trickle down to the players and polarize them. So um, that's something that they've addressed, I thought, really well. Um, and speaking of faculty, that's what I, I feel like Monty Austin for is like 
the dean of faculty right now. I mean, they're they're assembling a young, brilliant faculty, uh, more than just a short uh, uh, coaching staff. These guys are teachers. They and they put players first, and their relationships with players. I mean, that's a model. And then they want to empower the players, put them in a position to empower them to be autonomous. Um, to you know, th- that's the great, great model for teaching. I mean, you want to be a guiding light, and then you want eventually to get the students to drive the c- curriculum themselves. Because after all, you know, in football, the players are the ones playing on the field. So this is going to be the M.O. of the Cardinals is to, you know, um, <clears throat> for the coaches to serve the players to where the players can take control of the offense, all three phases, and take the ownership. Because um, when they do, when players do, special things can happen. Um, so, uh, but I'm going to shift gears here for a second. Oh, and, and let me just mention um, now that I'm now that I'm talking about it, some of the other assistant coaches. Ben Steele, the new tight ends coach, you know, has a background in offensive line. The versatility of these coaches. I mean, you see that, you know, that the offensive coordinator, coordinator Drew Petzing, has worked with tight ends. Um, he was a tight end coach and doing really well. And then they, you know, in Cleveland, and they needed help at the quarterback position. So they moved Petzing over to quarterback coach. Um, and, so Drew Petzing's versatility with working with tight ends is a real bonus there. Now you have Ben Steele, who's the new tight ends coach, and he he was the Bronco assistant offensive line coach. So he has offensive line coach as well, you know, coaching in his background as well. Love this, uh, and Petzing's hiring of Israel Wolferk as quarterback's coach, who we work closely with in Cleveland. And they have a dynamic relationship. And he was, you know, um, <clears throat> he was a uh, diversity coaching fellows, uh, coaches in the league, um, Israel Wolferk. And um, so there's that strong bond and connection there. And that's very, very exciting. Um, so, um, you know, and then the, coming over with Patrick Tony from Florida is William Piegler who was the tight end coach there. It's unclear yet what his role will be, Um, but he's an exciting young coach. Uh, And then, you know, you've got uh, love the offensive line coach um, that they hired, uh, you know, uh, Clayton Adams. Oh, you know, that was a brilliant hire. This guy is, I think, the real deal. and he's got an interesting, diverse background, too. He's worked with some tight ends. I mean, during the course of his career, there's some versatility here that, you know, across position groups that's very, very exciting. So um, watching this staff at work is going to be a treat and the, the high energy they're going to bring in the enthusiasm and the level of teaching uh, at young ages. Um, they'll quickly prove their mettle and their, you know, erudition, their knowledge as coaches to the players. And I think the players will feel like 
this is a coaching staff that's going to give them a competitive edge and, and a youthful exuberance, which they will have themselves, which will spread to the players. And just very excited to see these hires and, and um, excited to see what it all looks like um, when they get on the field. Uh, <clears throat> so, but today I wanted to focus on, did a num- quite a bit of research on now that the Cardinals have hired um, a whole bunch of coaches from other programs, suddenly there are some, you know, what, what occurs to me is there are some key um, free agent connections that are fascinating. Um, and, uh, you know, the Cardinals are going to have to, Monty Austin Ford is going to have to create some, some um, cap space. There are numbers of ways he can do that. We can save that for another time. But I think he will. I'm sure he will. Because there are some free agents here that if you can imagine um, what uh, <clears throat> if the Cardinals can land a few right off the bat. I mean, the first ones that come to mind, might as well start with that, is, you know, T.J. Edwards of the Eagles. Um, can you imagine Rallis and Gannon bringing in their basically um, quarterback of the Eagles defense, which was TJ Edwards and the, the growth that he showed in, in Philadelphia. Um, wow. What a coup that would be. Now people would say, well, what about Zayvon Collins? Well, what hasn't been determined yet is whether they're going to commit to the four, three base or stay with the 34 base. If it's 34, then, you know, Collins and Edwards are your two inside linebackers. Done. If it's 43, I think you put Edwards in the middle and you you flank him with Simmons and Collins. Oh, wow. I mean, uh, that's exciting unto itself. I mean, it'd be interesting to see which one they choose for Sam and which one for Will. But with the athleticism there and the size, uh, wow. And thinking of them rushing from edges at times, uh, like Hassan Reddick did it, outside linebacker for the Eagles, uh, it's pretty exciting as well. Collins is interesting, too, because at his size, like 6'3", 260, 265, I mean, I, you know, if he has a physical prototype where he can kick onto the edge um, in a 4-3, even a 4-3 D-end. Um, he could project there if need be, but I think he'll be, he'd be great um, in space on the outside. Uh, the question will be whether he's quick enough to cover. Um, and I think he is, uh, you know, so we'll find out. But, I mean, he's got the feet. Um, he certainly got the leverage strength. So, um, but that would be exciting. So if you come with your, basically the quarterback of your defense and imagine if they got Javon Hargraves to go inside, I mean, right away up the middle, the Cardinal defense is fortified. Um, now Hargraves is going to be pricey. Um, so I think that, PFF has him going at 18 million a year, um, which might be out of the Cardinals budget, but maybe not. Maybe they can, 
because of the fit, they can get them at a more value price. The key in these contracts is guaranteed money. I mean, they could give Cargraves like a six-year deal with all kinds of guaranteed money. I mean, there are creative ways to make that happen, but can you imagine that? I mean, the, one of the things you always want to do to rebuild a team is build it from the inside out, from the middle out. And my goodness, if you had TJ Edwards and then Hargraves, I mean, wow, um, that's pretty exciting. So, um, and the connection there, I mean, Edwards is 27, Hargrave is 30. So this could be the last big contract for him. But Edwards, you know, is young and, and a player on the rise. PFF has Edwards at 13.5 mil a year. I'm not, I think the, a deal for him can get done, you know, like a three-year, 39-year, $39 million contract like the Cardinals have, you know, given players in the past um, with, you know, I think they could work that out. Um, and maybe, you know, it won't be as high as that either. Uh, but I think having the quarterback in place it just gets you so ahead of the curve because the quarterback of the defense is like an extension of the defensive coordinator. So the continuity of having Gannon with Rallis and Edwards with a guy like Hargrave up front, oh my goodness, that could do wonders. As for um, James Bradbury, uh, PFF has him at $12 million a year. He's 30, coming off his best season as a pro, was a uh, certainly a excellent free agent for the Eagles last year and had, you know, I think Bradbury maybe have had his best season as a pro. Um, you know, he's another guy that you know, if they can find a way to bring in would be, would be wonderful. Um, but I don't know if, you know, with these price tags, they're going to be able to fit all of that in. And I, I would put, you know, the top priority on Edwards second on Hargrave and third on Bradbury. So if you're going to get two out of the three, I'd want to get the first two. And there are other cornerback options, um, both the free agency and the draft. Of course, we have Byron Murphy, whom um, I think the yeah, PFS has him at eight mil a year, which if he's healthy, that's, that's good. If he's not, um, it's an issue. But um, that's a pretty solid price for him, I think, at this point, and realistic one. Um, so, you know, right there, there's the defensive up the middle. How about this for the offensive up, up, up the middle? So now we shift over to the Browns because that's where Petzing's from. How about this? You get the, um, the center and Ethan Pawczyk, who's 28 years old, coming off his best season, one of the highest rated centers in the league last year. He's projected at seven mil a year. Um, so now you've you've got, you know, the 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 captain and quarterback of the offensive line settled at a position where the Cardinals really need settling. And then you know, I mean, if reports are right now that from uh, Michael Bidwell that he thinks Kyler Murray is on a fast track to get back maybe even sooner than mid-season. 
But in and then the, I I listened to Monty Awesome report this morning on um, Bickley and Murata, and he said that Colt McCoy's been working hard in the building every day, um, so that he can be full go um, this season. But obviously they're going to need another quarterback in there, um, and if so, I mean the the number of quarterbacks that Petzing has worked with in his short career. It's impressive. It goes back to Sam Bradford. Oh my God. Um, and then, uh, in fact, this will be the third Oklahoma quarterback that Petsing's going to coach in Kyler Murray because he also coached Baker Mayfield. You know, imagine that if, if uh, could lure ba- Baker Mayfield in for this season um, on a one year, you know, springboard contract. Although I think that the Rams really want to keep. Baker Mayfield, and I'm not sure Baker would come back into this scenario, but it's just fascinating to think about for a second. But the obvious guy would be Jacoby Brissett, who has graded really well last year, 82.4, I think, in PFF for his uh, starts, you know, with with the Browns before Deshaun Watson returned. Um, You know, Brissett is going to be challenging perhaps salary wise, but maybe not. Um, I don't know what kind of interest will, he will get around the league. And I don't know if he wants to sign long-term with somebody longer term than just one year deals, but the lure, you know, the allure of playing for Drew Petzig in a system that he already knows to make me, maybe springboard this into a Geno Smith contract down the road might be uh, enough to get uh, Jacoby Brissett on board here with his own center, Pawchik. Um And again, right up the middle, you're strong. You've got, you know, you've got options. Um, that could be very exciting. Another guy to maybe keep an eye on for connections there is Joshua Dobbs, who was in that quarterback group. Um, and, Dobbs is uh, Dobbs is, is is a fit in the sense that he's kind of a smaller, more athletic quarterback um, with a good arm and fits more of, of in a Kyler mode. Although he's not as breathtaking with his feet as Kyler, let's not get that twisted. But um, but he's a fit system wise, and Dobbs, as we know, um, was snagged by the Titans late in the year. And, and started a couple games down the stretch for the Titans. And I watched those games and I was impressed with Dobbs. I've always liked him. I think he's cerebral. Um, he's got a pretty good feel for reading defenses. He's athletic. He's got a good arm. And seeing as he already knows Pets exist, you know, the Browns Stefanski like Stefanski like system, he could be a nice nifty fit right in there. Um, so, uh, yeah, that'd be so grabbing one of those quarterbacks or, and here's another connection. You got the Gardner Minshew connection with the Philly coaches. So, and if they really had a nice relationship with Minshew and I imagine they knew him really well, because I imagine Minshew ran the scout teams, scout offenses where the defensive coaches work with them. Um, you know, that's a, there's a name too with a connection that could make a lot of sense. Um, I think the Cardinals are, would be wise to still treat this as if 
Kyler will be back at midseason or maybe later. Um, because I really do believe if you get, you know, um, a guy who can get the job done at quarterback and you get a solid center and you build these lines up, there's no telling what the Cardinals could do out of the gates. I mean, they could they could be the Seattle of, you know, the Seahawks of this, this season. And I think it would be really cool if, you know, the Cardinals can – can make a splash. And I think there are a few, you know, they've got a number of pieces to fill, but if you get strong up the front, up the middle with, in the case of Edwards and Hargrave, and then you add Pochick and Brissett or Pochick and um, Dobbs or, or um, Minshew, you got a chance to win right off the bat and until, you know, and then you can, um, you know, then uh, get a bonus when and a boost when Kyler comes back. So, and you still have that number three pick in the draft available. Correct. We're going to talk about that in a minute because I'm pretty sure of what the Cardinals are going to do at three. Um, and um, but these free agent moves, like when people do mocks, I always want to see free agent signings first because they do come first and they influence the draft, you know, because, um, you know, that, that you're not going to draft at a position that you've, uh, you know, in the first round at a position you've already addressed in free agency. That's, that typically does not happen. So if you know, have the context of knowing who the, the free agents are and the Cardinals are going to sign quite a few, and they've got 30 of their own free agents to consider, um, but, uh, we'll talk about that in a second too, but so, and then shifting over to, uh, running back, you know, imagine, I mean, you know, Jamal Williams from Detroit. I mean, we have the Detroit connection. I mean, the Cardinals are going to try to run the ball first. Um, and it's the Fansky type offense that's the bread and butter i mean speaking of stefanski we got the cleveland connection with you know um kareem hunt he's out there as a free agent imagine adding him in with james connor ba-boom ba-boom um there are some fascinating connections at running back so kareem hunt you got jamal williams in detroit who i think is an absolute baller Alexander Madison from Minnesota. They got the connection with him. I mean, Gannon was on the staff when he was a rookie. Um, he's an exciting young back that I think could fit. Also, if you don't get Pochick, you got the Garrett Bradbury potential at center. He's a free agent from Minnesota. Um, you know, then you got Miles Sanders, who I don't think the Eagles are going to bring back for whatever reasons. I'm getting that sense. Um, Sanders has been begging the Eagles. He loves it in Philly. He wants them to resign, but I think they have uh, other ideas. And um, you know, Miles Sanders would be a good, excellent, um, you know, uh, change of pace back to James Conner. Um, and a guy that I love is Damian Harris. You have the Patriots connection with Awesome Ford. Damian Harris is out there. And I think he's under the radar here. Um, he would be a fine addition. At wide receiver, 
the immediate fit is a Detroit fit with DJ Chark. Um, PFF projects him at 11 mil. I think you can get him probably for a little bit less than that. But um, I think for our offense, he would fit really well, particularly if they trade DeAndre Hopkins, which I think is inevitable. Um, the only option is to re-sign him to a, you know, like 54 million guaranteed contract, which is what he wants on another deal. Um, like 27 million plus a year after only playing 20 and 20 of the last 35 games, I think it's too much. You know, I think it's better for both parties for Hopkins to go play somewhere else and the Cardinals to get as much value for him as they can. Um, and, uh, you know, you'd love to be able to keep a Hopkins, but I'm not sure too, that Hopkins is a fit. Um, with with Gannon and his philosophy and Austin Ford. I mean, they're going to be, we're going to see how practice is prioritized higher than we've ever seen it before. And they're not going to like any player who wants to set out practices. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, and we know that DeAndre Hopkins has, as Steve Kimes said, he knows his own body and knows when to practice and when not to. When I heard that, I just was like, oh, great. Um, so, um, but, I mean, Hopkins is now the pinnacle of his career. He's got all kinds of value. With the right team and the right fit, you know, he could be a really good puzzle piece. So the question now is whether the Cardinals can get a first or a second round pick or a combination of picks uh, or a player in return. I posed a question on on uh, Twitter um, that received mixed reactions um, where it looks like the Broncos have Jerry Judy on the market. And I've always loved Judy. Um, <clears throat> Judy, 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 where have you been all my life? Um, I love those Bama receivers. Uh, I've always thought he was, Judy was um, one of the best ones to come out of Alabama. Of course, he was in a quite a crowd there of great, great, wide receivers when he was there but you know in three season with so-so quarterbacks Judy's has like close to um 2300 yards 2300 yards nine TDs an average of 14.6 which is a really healthy good average I mean he can stretch the defense he's he's athletic um I got a lot of blowback from some fans no way I mean I'm not comparing Hopkins to Judy I mean Hopkins is obviously, you know, um, at his best is one of the top five receivers in the NFL. Um, and, you know, Judy's still making, you know, cutting his teeth in the NFL. But, I mean, Judy's 23 years old. You get him on two more years at, at a some value of contracts that um, would equal out um, DeAndre Hopkins is uh, base salary this year that the Cardinals could save if they trade him. So when I mean, you get Judy for two years and with a chance to extend him, I think it would be great. I think it would be a wonderful fit. So Judy um, is a very similar player to Hollywood Brown, former first round pick thousand yard receiver 
finished three years and the team's kind of iffy about extending him at a certain price. Seems like he's in a very similar situation to when the Cardinals traded for Hollywood last year. Yeah. Well, when I see Judy and Brown, I think Judy's sturdier, um, longer, has more of a catch radius, um, more physical. And I think we're up in the air right now about Hollywood Brown. I think it's a really good uh, point you're making. Um, yeah, body types are different. I was just going for in terms of skill and yeah. production after three years in the league. Yeah, I think it's a it's a really good point. And I don't. I think they're neither one of them is a classic wide receiver one. I think you're going to have to draft someone like I don't think DJ Chark is a wide receiver one either. Do you? I've made the same comment for about three years back when he was playing with Gardner Minshew, which because he was the number one on those terrible Jaguars teams. I'm like, you want him to be your number two. If he's your number one, you, you're looking for a, a wide receiver one. Right. Yeah. But uh, see, here's another connection. I mean, Minshew. If you if you sign Minshew to take that quarterback role, and now you have Shark, you bring Shark in. They've already had. Um, there's a connection there. That's a fascinating one. I'm glad we brought that up. And but, Shark would um, be the number three on the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, if, if number three receiver. Yeah, he'd probably be a number three receiver if they brought him in. Assuming Hopkins is still on the roster. If you remove Hopkins, yeah, no. you know, we might reevaluate. Right. No, I think uh, Hopkins is going to be traded. We're not going to re-sign Hopkins. It's just not going to happen. I mean, I tweeted tweeted this out, said, you know, just so everyone knows, at what Hopkins wants contract-wise. I mean, he did the same thing. Squeezed his way out of Houston for signing a five-year deal after two years when all the, you know, when he received all the guaranteed money already, that's when he bugged out and was threatening to hold out. That's one of the reasons why the, the Texans traded him and to the Cardinals. And, um, you know, it's a great question for Cardinal fans. How do you feel about the Hopkins trade now? You know, has that worked out for you? And my thinking is, I think it was a colossal failure. Other than the Hale Murray, you know, pass and and his first season with the Cardinals, where he got off to a great start, you just really didn't get much the kind of production from Hopkins that you really would have expected. Um, you know, then there was the 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 six game ped violation, um, suspension, which was, and then Hopkins bugging out of the last few games with a so-called injury and not even going with the team to the games. You know, he's a me first player. And I think that listening to Monty Ossenfort and, you know, Mojo and um, Jonathan Gannon, that's not the kind of player they are looking for. So the but, silver lining at the end of the day, they didn't give up anything for him. So even if they got diminished production, they basically got him for a second round pick and offloaded a bad contract. Yeah. And, um, you know, although you value second round picks, uh, but uh, that's my thing about the Judy trade. 
proposal is that, you know, the thing about thing about that is, can you find if they can't get a first rounder for Hopkins, and it might be tough to get that, they probably will get a second rounder for some team who really wants them. But then you can ask yourself, are there wide receivers in the second round as talented as Jerry Judy in this year's draft? And I don't see one. That's why I, I would say, wow, if we're going to swap receiver for receiver, I mean, you're not going to get a wide receiver one back, obviously, but you can get a, you know, a wide receiver two with the kind of production that Judy would offer um, with two years left on his contract, assuming you picked up the fifth year option, which I, you would automatically do. And, you know, it might, if you look at it that way, um, in the first round, there are some really fascinating receivers. We'll get into that when we get into the draft stuff. I mean, the guy that I love is Zay Flowers from BC. I think he is just so, I mean, he can, he can, uh, he's got moves in the open field that are just unbelievable. I've got tape of him eluding four, four tacklers who were set up like a phone booth. Um, he's just super quick, great hands. Um, you know, he's a Stefan Diggs um, with, I think, more moves um, than Diggs. Uh, he's a, just a star waiting to happen in the NFL. He's very durable. Turned down $600,000 in a bribe by another team to, uh, you know, jump ship from BC. He stayed at BC, graduated. So a lot of great things about Zay Flowers. I mean, if the Cardinals landed Zay Flowers, I'd be, I'd be out of my mind, ecstatic. Great character. I mean, he'd fit in with Mojo perfectly. Um, so, and their and their philosophy of drafting the player, the person first. And um, but I'll also uh, add one more thing to your point, which is the Cardinals technically already have a second round wide receiver. If you still believe in Rondale Moore and what his production could be, they. He was picked in the second round just a few years ago. Right. Exactly. And we hope that, that you know, Rondale will be able to hold up this year and, and, and take his game to the next level. Ab- absolutely. Um, great point. Nobody's given up on Rondale yet. And uh, Gannon had reached out to him, at, you know, when, the, when Rondale came to his opening intro presser, there's – that's gone viral with Gannon going zoom, 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 zoom. You can run, man. You've ex- got the explosives. So obviously Gannon's tuned in on Rondale's ability. Um, and right now, I mean, it's been untapped. It's, 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 you, he's shown in flashes how brilliant he can be. And, you know, um, these coaches have the chance to take his, you know, Rondale's game to the next level. I mean, I love Greg Dorch too. Uh, I out of the slot, I think he's he's really dynamic. So they got some, and then Antoine Wesley um, is a big receiver who now gets to come back healthy. I mean, there are some options there that the Cardinals have. But, uh, you know, another. Um, I just went down the top hundred lists of available um, players, and another receiver that caught my attention is Paris Campbell of the Colts. Um, and now we have a Colts connection. Um, so, um, 
you know, he's 25 and uh, they project him at 2.5 million because he hasn't quite yet gotten um, like, like Rondell Moore Campbell um, is shown flashes, but not put together, you know, a really complete season yet. So, you know, he's, a, and you know, the prize out there, one of the prizes is Jacoby Myers. Um, but I think he'll be too pricey at 16 million. And again, with Myers, I don't think he's a wide receiver one, <clears throat> but he might be the Christian Kirk of this draft. He might get paid more than what you would expect. So I don't necessarily see the Cardinals in on Jacoby Myers, but DJ Chark sounds like it would be a good fit. And uh, maybe Paris Campbell um, at a reasonable deal could be, could be okay. Um, yeah. And then, um, you know, the, at the offensive line, Isaac Samolo of the, the, Imagine bringing so Pochick and Siamulo, and Siamulo's 29, coming off his best season. Uh, PFF has him at 11 mil a year. I don't think he's going to get that much, but he's he's a great left guard. I mean, I'd love to have him, but a, a reasonable option instead would be Nate Davis of the Titans. Of course, you have the Austin Fort connection there. Davis is younger at 26. He's projected 7.5. That that may be a choice. And I think the way that Gannon bonded with Will Hernandez may probably planted a seed of bringing Hernandez back. Um, PFF predicts he's at four mil a year, <coughs> um, a three-year deal worth like 12 million with 6.2 million guaranteed. So I could settle you up the middle. If you, imagine this, if you had Silmolo or Davis at left guard, you had Polchik or, Jane, or um, Bradbury, Garrett Bradbury at center, and or you had, um, <clears throat> and then you have uh, Will Hernandez at right guard, and then you've you've got some some depth behind them with the draft picks, Smith and Hayes, and, you know. So that's something to build on there. Uh, a tackle. I mean, something's got to be done. I mean, with who's going to play the right tackle spot. I mean, Kelvin Beecham has uh, already endeared himself to Jonathan Gannon and PFF has him coming back. He, they had him rated pretty high on their list. 73rd in the top 10. He didn't make another top 10 list that I was looking at, but, uh, He's 33, and they say 1.5 million a year um, on a two-year deal for three million. Um, would I think it'd be great to bring him back uh, as he can play swing, he can start for you at right tackle as we've seen, and maybe you know while you're someone's gonna have to move over to right tackle, whether DJ or Jones. I I'd like to see him move DJ over to right tackle. Because Jones was playing, had the highest PFF grade on offense for the Cardinals this season. Up at, you know, 75.8, I think it was. Um, how about that? Um, so, I mean, he, it looks to me like Jones is the left tackle of the future. And uh, 
they'd be wise wise to keep him there and then move TJ. You know, I think, you know, or possibly put TJ up for trade, but it'd be better if TJ just moved over to right tackle and, you know, um, want to keep him and um, in the fold if we can. And hopefully he wouldn't resist that. Um, and if he did, maybe that's when you maybe test the trade market for him um, and have beach him back and, uh, and draft a, another tackle at some point in the draft. There's some good ones out there. Um, so, but on the defensive side, uh, what I was looking at, I, you know, there's Fletcher Cox from the Eagles as a connection. He's 32 and coming off um, a down year for him. And so, but I mean, if you can, if he wants to come to Arizona at a reasonable, you know, salary, salary, boy, his experience, and he could have a renaissance here at th- age 32, that'd be awesome. I mean, I think we'd be excited to see him sign with Arizona and be a part of that defensive line rotation. Um, you know, there's a, a linebacker if you don't get um, TJ Edwards, but I think TJ Edwards to Arizona just feels like such a nifty fit. But just in case it doesn't happen, David um, Long of, of the Titans would be a great fit. Um, although they've got a price tag of 13 million PFF does for him. I, that's a little rich for my blood for him, but he's a really fine player. Um, of course there's Zach Allen who projects, I think really well to playing the left defensive end in a four man front. Um, and opposite, you can put Cam Thomas on the right defensive end, um, and then gets a couple studs up front, and you have Richard Lawrence coming back, who could have a huge year in this system. He's a player. Um, and then, like, Ifotu is in there as well. Being to see how this coaching staff does with those guys. Um, yeah. And uh, a guy to look at, too, is 28-year-old Demarcus Walker from the Titans, who had a really fine year at defensive end for them. And uh, Monty Osfort would know that really well. In fact, he was one of the prize one-year free agents that the Titans uh, um, signed last year. Only 28 coming into his prime. He would be a fit there. The kid Kaminsky from Detroit had a good year. Um, we got the Detroit connections. He could be a 4-3 D end. He fits that mold. Of course, then there's Brandon Graham who's projected at 4.5 million, I think, you know, that's a player to look to um, keep an eye on. If, 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 you know, the Eagles can't re-sign him, Graham had their highest grade on their defense last year, higher than Reddick. He was like way up there, like 89 or something. Um, So he's not slowing down or he wasn't this year. So there's another consider. Imagine getting Brandon Graham in there. So these connections are really, really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a linebacker connection. Kaiser White had a really good year for the Eagles. Uh, PFF predicts uh, $4 million a year for him. 
he's an option in there. Um, if, if, you know, things don't work out with TJ Edwards, then you keep saving in the middle and then you could use white on the outside, which, uh, which, um, Gannon did in, in Philly. So there's some interesting connections there. Um, another couple prospects here that I think would be really good fits. Um, the uh, uh, guard, Evan Brown from the Lions, uh, you know, Dave Sears knows him well, 26 years old. He's got some really good upside. Um, you know, if they did trade a DJ, there are a couple tackles, Andre Dillard from the Eagles, who has yet to get really on track playing behind two really good tackles in Philly. Um, he was a guy I really liked coming out of the draft. He's only 27 years old. Um, and Isaiah Wynn from the Patriots. Of course, Austin Ford helped draft him. Um, he was 57, number 57 player on PFF board. They have him at 10 mil. I think, I think he could probably be had for less than that. If indeed you traded, made it, made a trade. Um, of uh, DJ um, Wynn could be a factor in there and uh, yeah I mean there's all sorts of connections opening up now we get the Washington connection because of hiring the the Washington what a great hire that was too was uh, you know getting in on um, a, a head coach candidate that the Cardinals had brought in to interview his head coach, you know, and um, I mean, winding up, you know, Drew, Drew Terrell, they liked him a lot and then bringing him back. And of course he's from Mesa. So it's a homecoming. This was another huge hire gang. This is awesome. Drew Terrell coming back as passing game coordinator. I mean, as a, you know, yeah. Passing game coordinator, wide receiver coach. Is, is an awesome pickup, um, you know, and uh, so you've got some, now we got the Redskins connection because he knows the Redskins players. Guys looking at their list, no one completely jumped out at me, but except their defensive guys, you know, they've got some studs, uh, you know, uh, pain. The tackle. Imagine if the Cardinals snagged him. Oh my goodness! Cardinal fans would go wild. Daron Payne. I think they're going to tag him though. That may be tough. Um, you know. So and they have some other couple of key free agents, but none of them stood out to me. None of their best wide receivers uh, are uh, free agents just yet. Um, so, but. Uh, but he's got connections around the league. Interested to see who he brings in for, or what happens at, at wide receiver. Um, you know, there are some other guys out there at tight end. I think since Monty Ossenfort is building this thing around tight ends, I mean, notice all of his coaches are like tight end coaches. Hello, Patriots. Ding, ding, ding. Bill Belichick. Who put the romance into the tight end position? Who put it in more than Bill Belichick? And rightfully so. I mean, look at Travis Kelsey in Kansas City, and the you know he's 
I think the most dynamic receiver in football right now. Um, Cause he just, uh, he owns the middle of the football field. You got a guy like that. So a guy that it makes sense to me at tight end is Austin Hooper. Um, who played in Tennessee, obviously. So Mont- Monty knows him well. He'd be a fine addition. Um, I'm not sure what the price tag would be on him. Uh, PFFs has him as 81, the 81st rated uh, position player um, out of the top 100. Um, he's 46 on the other board that I looked at. Um so there's a varying opinion on him. I'm not sure he probably is going to command a seven million a year contract, but you know it's worth it if uh, you, you're um, building around the tight end spot. And Zach Ertz won't be back till mid season probably. And um, <clears throat> was there another tight end here? I saw. I thought there was. Um, that I thought made a lot of sense. Uh, I don't see it. Okay. For Hooper, he had a $6 million contract last year, so I don't imagine he'll get more than that. Yeah. I mean, that would... They might get a good deal on him. He's a good... Would be a good fit. And a player that's interesting to me is Matt Pryor, the guard tackle from Indianapolis. Had a down year for them, but... uh, the year before, in 2021, he had a 76.5 PFF grade, and he's 28 years old. He could be a key piece um, coming from the Colts now that we have a Colts connection. Um, so the connections here are really, really fascinating. I I love seeing how those work. You know, my mom had a great say, saying, uh, E equals MC squared. After that, it's who you know in life. <laughs> so, I mean... It's so true. It's who you know and who you have connections with. And this is so exciting to me because I was worried that the Cardinals, you know, because of the bad PR over the last year and a half, uh, would have trouble attracting um, free agents. I think the Gannon hiring changes all of that. Um, and with the diversity of the staff that, that he has, young staff, I think it's, it's become an exciting place for free agents to come. And also, I think that the, the varied connections that they have with all these assistants coming in from other programs. I mean, and you're thinking about the two Florida guys coming in. I The first thing I'd want to know is, tell us about Anthony, Anthony, you know, Anthony Richardson. <laughs> I mean, right now I'm hearing rumors that he could go in the top five. Um, not to say that the Cardinals would would necessarily draft him, but he's one of the more fascinating uh, prospects in this draft. Kyle, what do you think of Anthony Richards? Go big or go home, right? Somebody's going to either get fired or somebody's going to look like a genius for <laughs> Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Uh, seems seems to be the way to go because, I mean, I, I didn't watch enough Florida to really get a deep dive on him. I just feel like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are one and two. And then after that, doesn't seem like there's another top end quarterback in this class, but could be wrong. Maybe Richardson's that guy. And if he is that guy, I mean, there's about four or five teams looking for a young quarterback in the top 10. So if people yeah. think he's that number three guy, someone will take a chance. 
Yeah, I mean, what an athlete, what a dynamic prospect. I mean, oh my goodness. You know, and and uh, there are some guys in that Florida defense of draft, draft picks that have connections to these Florida guys as well, which would be interesting to, to um, see if that has an effect on the draft. Um, so, yeah, I mean, connections are key, and the Cardinals are building – a plethora with all these coaches from different parts of the country and different programs, they're really building a nice plethora of, uh, of connections and players that these coaches have seen up front, worked with and can vouch for not only their football prowess, but their, their character, which I'm really, really excited that uh, the the number one priority for the Cardinals is um, football character and personal character. Uh, they're really Monty Austinfort doubled down on that today on Bickley and Murata and said, "Look, you know this is a first priority. We want guys who really want to dig in and put the team first and be you know um, be all about." passion football passion and teamwork and and so those are the guys we're going to go after and it's interesting too what i learned today was that um as we know austin fort in preparation of one day being a gm last summer made a list of assistant coaches that he thought could be have an it factor and we know that gan was on the top of his list today we learned too that um aaron glenn was number two on his list um, for what it's worth, and uh, which I think is really cool. Um, and so he did these, conducted these interviews, and Gannon just jumped out at him as, you know, having the it factor, um, which we can see why. I mean, Michael Bidwell was enamored with Gannon the minute he walked in the room and took command of the room and, um, and had heard so much about him through Monty Osenfort that, you know. But Monty Osenfort also... Uh, Michael Bidwell said this on Bickley and Murata as well, was that because they had him on this morning, he said that one of the things that impressed him about Austin Fort's list is that the the coaching candidates he had crossed crossed off, guys that he had talked to and said, No, not feeling it. And so the fact that Austin, you know, Monty Austin Fort was so discerning when it came to these interviews was really Impressive to Bidwell, and I, I'd have to concur with that. Um, obviously, Austin Ford has an idea of what he's looking for and or what he was looking for, and, you know, um, Gannon was the top of that list. I mean, he interviewed, I think, 12 coaches, so that says something, and um, I think we're already seeing the benefits of this because for the first time in, in 14 months, there's a buzz here that's that, – just uh, feels so good um, and so exciting. There's a, there's a renewed sense of hope. I mean, I know a lot of fans are skeptical. And the youth of the staff is concerning and to a number of fans. To me, you would, when you look at the experience these young guys have had already, even at young ages, and the coaches they've been around, 
um, and the programs they've been involved with. I mean, you know, you don't get hired as Florida's defensive coordinator without doing something special. I mean, in the case of, you know, um, <clears throat> of uh, <clears throat> um, Patrick. Patrick Tony. Yeah, Patrick Tony. Um, also, Patrick Tony from Slam Diego. Is he really? Oh, see, now it's perfect karma. Oh, my God. Yeah, and no he, San Diego coaching connections, but he went to Palomar College, grew up in San Diego. That's my guy. Well, I have a new nickname for him. Little Little Rock. He'll be the I'll Little Little it. Rock. <laughs> He's a rock of a guy. I mean, wow. I mean, uh, it's just so, so exciting to see the background of these these coaches and and then the connections that they're going to have, um, it's getting, I'd like to be a, you know, eavesdrop on some of their, their, um, conversations about players. Oh my goodness. And schemes and the stuff that they do. Uh, and there's a number of really cool coaching videos out there. If you haven't seen them with Rallis and Tony and, you, know, you can get on, you know, on YouTube and, and do your research on this. And the more you watch these videos, the more you realize how brilliant these hires can be um, and how, you know, what fascinating um, experience and innovation they bring to, to the um, coaching staff and to the players. So, um, but yeah, I mean, these connections are going to be, very interesting to see how they play out in free agency um, and who knows who um, and how they can attract these players to Arizona. But I feel so more, much more relieved that I think that we'll be able to make some good solid moves in free agency and that Arizona now again will be, well, again, but it hasn't been in, been in a while, but we'll, we'll, could be a, an attractive place for free agents. And it'd be interesting to see right off the bat what which Eagles come to Arizona. I think would imagine that at least a couple um, would arrive here and want to play for Gannon. Um, I've either on other, you know maybe even Gardner Minshew. Um, so on the other side of the ball, maybe you know Miles Sanders. You you know these you know Gannon's a, reaches out to everybody when he coaches so. He knows these guys really well, and you know he knows their football character too. So, you know, up front when you learn about someone, you know. And Bill Parcells would say, "When a player shows you who he is, believe him." And um, one way or the other, he meant that both ways. Is that you know shows them who he is, good, believe him. Shows who he is, not so good, believe him. So, um, anyway, hope you. I know Cardinal fans tend to be very skeptical. It's just, you know, seeing's believing. But, man, you know, it's okay to get a little bit excited. I mean, we've been through the muck of the last 14 months. You know, let's, let's, try, to, let's try to lift ourselves out of it. Let's help each other lift ourselves out of it. And these are very positive steps. Oh, by the way, and one last note on um, Sean Payton was 
Michael Bigwell said something illuminating today um, on Bickley and Murata. He said that the Sean Payton thing didn't happen because the Saints wouldn't budge off um, wanting the number three pick. And that he said Bidwell countered with some other, you know, um, attractive offers of how they could, you know, involve other picks this year and next year. And the Saints, but it was either th the third pick or bust for Peyton. So, you know, and Bidwell said, I, I'm just not giving up that third pick, which leads me to my last thought. I think it would be at this point, it would be shocking to me if the Cardinals didn't trade out of the third pick. Um, you know, the, the one wild card would be maybe that Will Anderson, that now there's, you know, DJ Daniel Jeremiah thinks that Tyree Wilson is a better fit for the Gannon defense. And I think he's got a point there. I mean, Tyree Wilson is a classic 4 3 D end. I mean, he's a, you know, um, 6 6, 275 pounder, um, which you can plug and play right away in that system. You know, uh, Will Anderson would be an outside linebacker in sort of the Reddick mode um, in um, in Gannon's defense, which is a key spot. But I think that Isaiah Simmons can play that role really well. So you already got a guy there that can play that role. Um, so, you know, I it's going to be interesting. But I think that here's my reason is that the Cardinals have to prepare for, you know, what the Chiefs have been doing in, you know, uh, acquiring draft picks and then playing younger players right away. Because, you know, as the Cardinals prepare for 2024, when Kyler's cap hit is 51.1 million, um, you know, they're going to need to rely on the younger players on this roster. So it behooves the Cardinals to to draft a bunch of them and to play them and, and groom them as quickly as they can, like the Chiefs did, starting five rookies on defense in the Super Bowl, which has got to be a record. I mean, if you look at how the Chiefs crushed the draft, I wrote an article about this, how to win a Super Bowl with a 45-plus million-a-year quarterback, which, which uh, actually no one's done it yet because Mahomes – counted 35 million on the cap for the chiefs this year. So that's the highest uh, a quarterback has, has uh, made a winning Super Bowl quarterback has made the previous highest was set the year before by Matthew Stafford at 26.5 million. And it's always been fascinating to me is how, how, if you're paying the quarterback so much, how do you put the other pieces around him to, to be a championship caliber team. And I, of course I cited the Brady rule, which was to take less to have more. And I'm still predicting this. Some, one of these quarterbacks, Jalen Hurst, Joe Burrow, um, Justin Herbert, someone is Geno Smith. Someone's going to say, no, I don't need 50 million a year. Just give me, you know, I can be comfortable with, you know, 30. So we can, with 20 million extra dollars, we can have four other starters. 
on the team that we wouldn't otherwise have. At, at good, solid players that can help you win championships. Someone's going to do that. And then once that happens, that might become a bit of a vogue thing. Because if the ultimate goal is to win the Lombardi Trophy, you know, there are ways of going about it. But there's a reason why high-paid quarterbacks haven't um, won it. And no quarterback making 40-plus million a year has won the Super Bowl yet. And in this article, I took a look at the top five paid quarterbacks for 2023, um, cap-wise. And, of course, Deshaun Watson is at the top of the list. And uh, so it's worth worth it if you want to go there and read the article, um, where I'm basically arguing that, you know, the, if, if you have one of these high-paid quarterbacks who's counting, like, almost – you know, a little less than a quarter of your whole cap, if it's in the 50 million range, um, it behooves you to draft well and to develop your younger players well. And I think this is an ideal year for the Cardinals, seeing they probably get some big-time offers on the number three pick to, you know, amass a number of – my goal is for them is to get 11 to 11 picks. They have eight right now, I believe. And so I think if they can get to 11, like the Chiefs did last year, have a draft similar to the Chiefs, and then have those players be instant impact players that you're going to, you know, groom. They're going to make mistakes as rookies and stuff, but you're not going to yo-yo them in and out of the lineups the way – that the Cardinals have been doing recently. And you just, you're going to commit to them and you're going to make, help them grow and, and assimilate. And then you keep building that draft after draft. You can win with younger players in this league. You really can. And in fact, sometimes it's an advantage um, in terms of stamina and, and youthfulness and energy. And so, uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling, I mean, that you we're probably going to see a trade down with um, kind of a some really good compensation uh, draft capital coming back at the Cardinals uh, in that in those situations. So, I mean, there are a lot of good players in the first round of this draft, so you can trade back some and still get a great player. Um, and um, yeah, for some reason, I think Will Anderson's going to go one or two and make it a moot point of getting him um he's pretty special we'll see about this week at the combine because uh how these guys perform there is going to change things as it always does it, for good or for you know for right or for wrong you know some guys are going to blow up the combine and suddenly they're soaring up draft boards so um binge to see uh what how Willie will anderson does and other of the top prospects hopefully they'll participate and run um i think it's always great tv when they do that but uh you know or they may wait for pro days or whatever but um eventually the the numbers will come out and uh can have a, quite a bearing so thanks for joining us once again today next week we have the, the philadelphia eagles um Sports Illustrated beat writer. Um, let's see. 
he's I'm gonna tell Kyler uh, Kyle about him Ed Krasick, uh coming on who's gonna talk to us give us more in info on Gannon and um, JG and Nick Rails and want to ask Ed Ed does Krasick does excellent work for I've been reading him for a few um, weeks now and really really appreciated the quality of his work. Um, he's going to um, tell us about the free agents that he thinks the Cardinals might have a shot at. Um, I think the, the just one thing off the top, top of my head is that although they love TJ Edwards, um, I think they're going to move on from him because they drafted uh, Nicobe Dean. Um, and, um, you know, the year before and, you know they've got a replacement there at that spot. Um, that 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 has bearing, but we'll we'll ask Ed what he thinks and about all their free agents and see what see what he comes up with. But we'll have him on as a guest next next week. And thanks for um, your support. Our numbers are again. Thank you so much. The numbers are outstanding. You know, if you have any questions um, and comments, please let's continue to. Keep communicating on Twitter at WBJ Mitch. I've really enjoyed my conversations with my tweets back and forth with a number of you. And then at revengeofthebirds.com. Come and join the, the bird gang there and get in on the conversations, daily conversations that we have on the news of the day with the great articles that Seth Cox, uh, my editor, and uh, the staff puts out every day. So um, come and join us there. And until then, May the red rain shower down on you into the red, red sea. Red rain.